Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. The APEC countries around the region include you know, Australia, Brunei, Canada, Chile, Hong Kong, China, Indonesia, Singapore, Malaysia, Japan. You know, there's like 14 of them. Uh, huge grouping of countries right now. And together they make up a large percentage of the countries that are impacted by the coronavirus. On the line with me, Dr. Dennis Hugh, the director of APEC Policy Support Unit. And APEC has been looking very closely at the economic impact uh, to COVID-19 across the APEC countries. Uh, Dennis, good morning. Welcome to Weekend Mornings. Good morning. Good morning, good morning to you. Uh, Dennis, as, as we look at this uh, pandemic that has gripped the world uh, for months now, um, what, is, what is the overriding, uh, I guess, impact that we're seeing uh, on APEC countries? Well, I think, uh, first of all, to say that you know, in many ways, the APEC region has been in the front line of trying to combat this pandemic. I mean, the last count we see is something like 2.8 million infection cases worldwide, of which about 40% of those cases uh, are coming from the APEC region. I mean, this is both a public health crisis as well as an economic crisis. Let's look at the economic impact first. Uh, if you look at the, the recent numbers that's come up from the IMF, they're looking at global economy in deep recession this year, something like uh, minus 3%, and a recovery in 2021, about 5.8%. In the APEC region itself, we're looking at a contraction this year of something like minus 2.7%, with a recovery of about 6.7% in 2021. Again, these numbers are still fluid. The IMF itself is assuming that uh, that pandemic will be contained by the second quarter, which is uh, around this time. But if this pandemic continues to persist throughout the year, then we're looking at further downward revisions in therefore and that will also have an impact on us in, in, in the APEC region. Yeah, we're talking about Dr. Dennis Hugh, the director of the APEC Policy Support Unit. And Dennis, you know, it is interesting you, you talk about those IMF uh, and, and APEC numbers. And uh, as you so rightly mentioned, you know, we don't know what we don't know yet. And, and all of these numbers at this point are, are kind of a best, a best guesstimate, uh, you know, based on, on what's going on. When, do, when would you suppose that we might have a clearer picture or a more definitive picture of, of when we can, you know, pin down some of these numbers. A lot of business people out there listening today and around the world are, are wondering how to future, future plan, right? What do you think about that? I think, you know, they often uh, uh, referred to is the, the, the flattening of the curve. I mean, every, I think pretty much every day, different economies around the world are looking at the number of cases and when they're beginning to spike. And uh, as you know, many economies are currently in either lockdowns or in partial uh, lockdowns. In Singapore itself, we've got this circuit breaker that's been extended until the 1st of June. And I think as, as we be, only as we begin to see uh, a reduction in these infected cases, uh, I think then we'll get a better indication of whether uh, the forecast numbers are pretty much in line. But right now, it's really pretty much hard to tell. I think I also want to emphasize the biggest impact, as we all know, is, the, is in, in uh, job losses. Yeah. I mean, right now we know that the even within the APAC region, we're looking at something like uh, 5.4% of unemployment rate. That's about 23.5 million num- uh, workers that's going to be out of out of work this year. So that's it's pretty uh, it's mm. pretty worrying. Yeah, yeah, that that that's difficult. How how does APAC approach this from a from a group standing when you've got some countries that are doing quite well in, in getting ahead of this, for example, you know, China's has done quite well now uh, and, and other countries as well. Um, um, 
Korea, South Korea, and and uh, and Thailand and others, but then and Vietnam as well. But then there are other countries that are still really lagging far behind. You know, when we when we look at Indonesia or uh, even the challenges that Malaysia has had, uh, although they're getting better, um, and, and the U.S. <laughs> most notably, uh, how how do you as a as a grouping then try to get a hold of statistics and and numbers and and a path forward when there's such a disparity in the way that some you know some of the APEC members are are handling this crisis. Right. Well, it, it, first and foremost, APEC itself is an economic and trade forum. So mm. uh, I think one of the biggest focus that we need to do is basically look, looking at greater regional cooperation, sharing of information, whether it's health statistics, number of cases, looking at the different types of fiscal and monetary policies that are being implemented. As you said, uh, in, in APEC, it's also pretty diverse. We've got uh, advanced economies, we have developing economies. So it's really a very great uh, it's a great platform of sharing this kind of uh, information and best practice to see what's being done in different economies and tr- trying to address this pandemic, for example. The other thing that we're trying to look at is whether, in terms of regional cooperation, is whether we could come up with a, a regional policy toolkit to, to address this pandemic. I mean, at the individual economy level, there are uh, emergency plans that are put in place to mm. address these sort of health crises. But uh, maybe at the regional level, I think that it's, it's a good opportunity to see what kind of information and best practices and measures that can be put in place for them to work together. So that's, that's, I, I, I was yeah. going to say, I love that idea of, of the toolkit. You know, that, that seems so useful and it seems like such a great opportunity for APEC to, you know, to be useful to the members. You know, when you talk about best practices and things, how, how, what would that toolkit possibly look like? How would it actually be rolled out to, to member states, member nations? Well, I think that I think we need to look at uh, what's out there. I mean, the, I think there are. Uh, this is again, what sort of? I mean, you can look at the individual economy level. What kind of checklist that's out there in terms of addressing the, the different types of measures or from past experiences in, in pandemics? But looking at SARS, for example, right? So I think what what they can do in APEC is to take a look at what's happening at the individual individual economy level. Also take a look at what other international organizations are doing, whether it's at the WHO or at, even at on the trade level at the WTO in terms of trying to work. And then they can come together to, to work out some sort of regional toolkit. Well, that's the aspiration anyway. Sure. I think another, another very important point is, again, we are a trade forum, and I mean, another important initiative that uh, APEC could consider is to see whether we could uh, come together and try to eliminate or re- reduce the kind of tariffs on uh, essential medical goods that would be really crucial to, to combat this pandemic. Uh, you know, we're looking at things like PPE, protective uh, equipment, face masks, hand sanitizers. So these are some of the things that APEC could do. Yeah. You're talking about Dr. Dennis Hugh, the director of the APEC Policy Support Unit. And Dennis, you know, as you mentioned earlier, the the shift or the, the variation between the developing economies and the more advanced nations is is quite wide, quite notable in APEC, which is which could be a good thing as well. But with the supply chains being disrupted as they are, uh, do you feel like perhaps some of the, the less developed members uh, need, need more help and more support at this time than, than, say, like the U.S., which is, certainly has its issues, but it's dealing with it on its own? Sure. I mean, supply, we know that uh, supply chains have been disrupted, uh, in, whether it's in the manufacturing sector, it's in the food, healthcare. And I think what, what are the important aspects that uh, APEC can provide is that it's capacity building. Uh, as, as mentioned, and as I mentioned, is that we've got a mix of developed and developing economies. It's a great platform 
to provide training, capacity building, uh, and, and, and looking at the lessons that can be learned from past experiences. So capacity building would be the key. And we've, we've been doing that for many years. When you, when you look at, uh, if we go forward here, and, and hopefully in the next month or two, we'll start to see uh, some light at the end of this tunnel, even though it may take us a long time to get to the end of that tunnel. Uh, but what as you are sitting uh, in your position uh, as the director of the, of the policy support unit, what are, your, what are you thinking in terms of, of future lessons, future uh, things that APEC can take, lessons can take from this uh, to, to bring the grouping closer together after the pandemic has gone beyond us? Yeah, I'm pretty sure once this pandemic uh, abates, uh, there's going to be uh, a lot of, I guess, soul searching and an analysis of what can be done post-pandemic. Mm. Uh, certainly, we, when we talk about supply chains disruptions, what can be done in APEC in looking at uh, uh, you know uh, reducing that, these kinds of disruptions? You know, uh, having a look at uh, business continuity plans, yeah. uh, mitigation of risks related to supply chain, a focus on supply chain resilience. Now, we've been doing work on this in the past, but I think we can take a look at it with a, with a fresh lens, looking at the, this current pandemic, which has really has been unprecedented. So that's one of the areas we can do. And again, you know, addressing trade protectionism. Again, this is what we're here for, right? Taking a look at uh, whether there's increase in uh, whether it's tar- tariffs or non-tariff barriers, what can we do to try to address that, uh, particularly when we look forward in terms of healthcare products and, and, uh, and, and, and also in the food sector. Do you think that as a result of this, you, you mentioned you've been working on a lot of these issues. Of course, APEC has for many years already. But do you feel like there will be a moment, you know, when this, when this all simmers down, that the, the time will be right to, 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 you know, the iron will be hot to strike. In other words, uh, you know, to be able to maybe get some of these tariff reduction things going, people will see, yeah, this is a good thing. This is, and the time is now. Will there be a moment there where that APEC will really be able to uh, impact some of the changes that perhaps you've been, lo- been looking at? for years? Well, I hope so. I mean, I, I think uh, it just, we, we know that this pandemic has, crossed, uh, has caused a significant impact, but both economically as, as, well, as, uh, uh, as, as well as particularly looking at uh, consumer demand and, and, and investment. So uh, I I'm really, hope, I'm really hope that this will happen. I mean, we'll all get together, whether it's going to be uh, later this year, to try to work out some key policy initiatives to try to address this. And also to look at post-pandemic. I mean, this is kind of a black swan event, but who knows, in the, in the, in the future, there'll be different types of this sort of crisis that are happening. So what can we do to prepare ourselves will be quite crucial. Yeah. Well, our thanks to Dr. Dennis Hugh, the director of the APEC Policy Support Unit. Thanks for being with us today, Dennis. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.